next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies Well, why don't we uh, give Steve a hand as he comes. Let's just honour him this morning. <laughs> oh, it's great. Good morning. I'm not sure what we were doing there, Michael, but uh, it's, uh, it's good. I'm the king of awkward, so uh, so good to be here. And uh, it's my joy just to be here and be able to share from God's Word with you this morning. Um, bringing uh, greetings from uh, our faith community in Christchurch, Revolution. Uh, we're part of uh, the same movement of churches, same network of churches, CCNZ, and uh, just on a great journey. So uh, it's cool to be here. Good to see y'all. Y'all. <laughs> Good to see y'all. <laughs> I am not American. Uh, but, uh, and I don't wish I was either. But anyway, that's, a, that's another story. Sorry if you're American. Okay. Um, oh, look, there's marbles up here. That's great. What are these for? I tell you what, I get distracted. Anyway. So, uh, hey, great to be here with Michael and Ellie. I just think they're amazing people, wonderful human beings. I, uh, my wife grew up in the same place that Michael grew up, Motueka. Anybody been to Motueka before? Mot. It's good, it's good, it's good. I, uh, I, just a little town. I came from somewhere way more glamorous than that, uh, Takaka, <laughs> which is about a tenth of the size of <laughs> Motueka. But uh, anyway, at least it's a destination, right? Mot, you just pass through, but to get to Takaka. So anyway, uh, they're great, great, great couple. I, and uh, where's Alice gone? I think I feel I feel like I was there when she reconnected her life to Christ. Those uh, Nelson a number of years ago and stuff. It's just a great couple. Anyway, very good. I'm pretty simple. Uh, you can work me out pretty easily. Uh, just a little bit of a snapshot about my life. I love Jesus. I love to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I'm still amazed. Um, Growing up, I struggled a lot with depression and a suicidal teenager, and, and Jesus took a hold of my life, and uh, I'm so grateful that He has, and uh, I'm so amazed that He can do something uh, with a, a munter like me. I call myself a munter. I, I just I haven't got this figured out. I just I just know that Jesus has taken a hold of my life, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so I'm married to one wife, and uh, Amy. You're never never sure these days. You got to clarify some things. So uh, she's. She's amazing. She's certainly the better half. Uh, she's an incredible, incredible woman, uh, lover of Jesus, and uh, it's a joy to be on the journey with her. I've uh, got three kids, uh, three children. Uh, Kobe is our oldest. He's 13. And then Talia is our daughter. She's 12. And then our youngest son, Jet, uh, is nine. And everybody thinks that we've mis- they've, they've misspelt that on the list. And they've got Jeff. Is that Jeff? No, Jet. Anyway, so... Uh, that's all right. I love, I love, uh, I love, mostly love being a dad. <laughs> it's the most wonderful, challenging journey uh, on the planet, and uh, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy dinner times once if we can get them actually eating food. Um, every now and again, once a year that happens, and. Uh, uh, and listening and telling uh, about the day and stuff. And I like to tell dad jokes just to try and get... Uh, and the point of a dad joke is not fun, is it? It's not humor. It's to get them to roll their eyes. You know, you've done a good dad joke, one of my favorites. Have you ever heard that, so- that's, uh, that song? You sung that song, Heads, Shoulders, Knees and Toes? Knees and Toes. 
head, shoulders, knees and toes. Well, who can only sing chest, chest, chest and chest? T-Rex. That's my favorite. Anyway, yes, and I got some eye rolls, so I'm happy. Mission accomplished. Uh, look, so I love Jesus. Uh, I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. He is, uh, his love is better than life. And uh, my mission in life really is to raise an army of world changers, to get a group of people that can discover Jesus and then discover that through them, he can change the world with this revolution of love. So I want to share to that end from the scriptures this morning. I love the Bible. And 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6 is where I'm going to start. And uh, and let's have some fun. I'm just, I love the nations, and I'm just going to imagine that I was in different nations as I read some of these scriptures and see if you can guess which nation we're coming from as we start. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me across the Jordan. <laughs> That's enough from Scotland. And he replied to him, as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I'll not leave you. So the two of them walked down. You're going to not remember any of the scripture this morning. Are you? Oh, well. Fifty men from the company of the prophets were going and stood at a distance. <laughs> we're just changing country. I've changed continents there, haven't I? <laughs> I don't know where to go next, to be honest. <laughs> South Africa. Facing the place. Elijah and Elisha stopped in the door and then said, Elijah, take the coat. So he rolled it up and struck the water with it. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> oh, so he's just the... Said to them, we will cross Elisha. Tell me what I can do for you before you are taken. Oh, bro. <laughs> Let me inherit a double portion, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that. and I'm just going to keep going with uh, Steve translation. <laughs> but there you go. We've, we've crossed the nations this morning. Give me, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Elisha replied to him, verse 10. You have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, if you see me when I am taken up, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. <laughs> We've got some South Africans here, obviously, haven't we? <laughs> okay, did we do all right with that? Okay. <laughs> and they were walking along together, and suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of ho and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw, saw no, but look at this. This is the interesting part. Then he took a hold of his garments and tore them in two, and Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, it divided from the left into the right, and he crossed over. My, my simple thought, my subject, my title this morning is I share just what I feel like is on my heart for you as a church, is where is that God? 
Where is that God? And let me just pray. Father, I want to thank you for this incredible group of people, this incredible faith community, this incredible group of people that are just pointing their lives towards you, Jesus. And I pray in this place that you would speak to us, that we would understand the instructions that you, by your Spirit, are giving us, and that we will walk out of here empowered and equipped to move into the next season that you have for us knowing that you are with us, for us, empowering us, and working through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Amen. Where is that God? We, we have a good dose in this scripture, this passage of the Bible, of, 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 of Elijah and Elisha. Now, that's a little bit confusing, but Elisha was the prophet Elijah's apprentice. Uh, and uh, we have this good dose from the snapshot of Elisha's journey. Basically, he had, a, he had a good dose of the, I'll have what he's having. Ever, ever been that person? Ever gone to a, to a restaurant or somewhere and been thinking, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to order and take a look around and see a meal over there. Can I have that? Because that looks good. Anybody ever been like that? I mean, I do that at McDonald's. Seriously, I'm just like, you know, uh, uh, anyway, so uh, I love McDonald's. But anyway, um, <laughs> Getting off topic, but I'll have what he's having. I, I, I want like that. Now, we know that comparison can be incredibly de debilitating. In fact, we live in an age where through social media, I, I, I'm glad I'm not a teenager these days because when I was growing up, I had the pressures of comparison from the kids on the bus and the kids at school. But this, these days, uh, teenagers have the pressure of comparison to the whole world because of the social media phenomena. In fact, they did research on Facebook recently. They, they got these university students and gave them 30 minutes on Facebook, and then they did a survey of, firstly, the major emotion that people felt uh, after 30 minutes on Facebook, and it came back to say the, the, the number one emotion was depression, that people were feeling depressed, and the reason for that was comparison and envy that had happened through that time. And so, so we all know that this idea of comparison can be relatively unhelpful and counterproductive and, and harmful in our lives as we set our course to follow Jesus. Uh, that's not common, right? Uh, however, there is a part of comparison that is supposed to be an inspirational part. And that's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, you know, there's this, there's this part of our, our psyche, and, and psychologists call it mirror neurons, that we're, we actually have the ability to see something in someone else and actually follow that. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So there's a, there's a part of this whole, uh, whole deal. We see the negative impact of comparison. But I want to talk a little bit more this morning about the, the positive, the inspirational component of comparison. And this is where we find Elisha. He wasn't looking at the world systems and people's wealth and popularity and all those sort of things. He was looking at a man of God, someone who knew God, someone who walked with God, someone who had allowed God to work through their life. And he, he's like, I, I want what he's having. I, I want that. I want my life to kind of grow a little bit in that general direction. And uh, he, he saw a character. He saw a nature. He saw a walk. He saw a, a way of life. And isn't this Jesus journey a way of life? And Elisha is an interesting character. He's a prophet. Uh, Elijah was an interesting character. He was a prophet. And in those days, uh, the prophet was the, the person who would hear from God for, for God's people. And I, I'm just glad that we live in a day where we don't have to go through another media. Where we can go straight to Jesus, our prophet, 
uh, our priest who intercedes on our behalf, and we can we can get those instructions. Incredible. But Elijah was the was the was the teacher. He was the he was the you know, and just incredible miracles. People raised from the dead. People, you know, prophesied no rain. It didn't rain for three years. Prophesied, called in rain. It rained again. Went. This is Elijah. He went to the prophets of Baal and he took them all on and and mocked them and taunted them because he said, "Would well, this have a jewel? Let's see who's God's the real God." And they did this whole thing and then they were put to the sword and yeah, it's just all this. Ah, you know, wild Old Testament prophetic sort of stuff going on. And he, he, one day he's walking along the road and he sees Elisha there and Elisha's plowing a field with his ox and he just kind of throws his coat at him and kind of walks off. And Elisha knew that to mean, hey, he's calling me to follow him. This is an opportunity for me to learn from him and one day take over the ministry which God has entrusted to him and his generation. One day God will entrust that to me. And it's kind of like Elisha had in his heart, you see in that moment, I'm just kind of giving you a snapshot, you see this man, Elisha, this young man, Elisha, and he had it in his heart to serve God in his generation. And he's like, I can learn from this. And he kind of does this journey, and and he learns from him, he watches them, and and, and from this point where Elijah has kind of just chucked his cloak on him, and basically call them, says, well, listen, here's an opportunity for you to learn and grow in this. And then this passage of Scripture in which we read, and Elisha finally takes up the cloak, takes up the mantle, becomes the prophet of God for that generation. Eight years have passed. And all we see in those eight years is we see a snapshot where one, one Scripture uh, says, you know, Elisha, the one who washed the hands of the prophet. In other words, for eight years he served, for eight years he leaned, uh, honored, for eight years he he grew and he, he came to this point and he, he, he's seen that, he's seen the way of life, he's seen what is possible, the kingdom reality coming through Elijah's life. And he gets to this point in life, Elijah is now taken up from heaven, he's, he's finished his race, he's passing on the banner and Elisha picks up this, this cloak, this mantle, which kind of meant this calling, this, this sense of identity of the prophet. And he, and, he, and he gets to this point, and he goes to the river. Elijah's now gone. He takes it, and he strikes the water with it. And he says, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? It's a great question. It's a powerful question. And basically, in summary, he's, he's, saying, he's simply saying this. And it's a phrase that's captivated me for many years. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? In other words, he's saying, well, you know, that God that I saw do through that man's life, what I want to know is, will that God do that in my life today? You you see the dynamic? He's like, like, I've seen it. In fact, we just got here because Elijah picked up this cloak and struck the water and the water's parted. And now Elijah's gone. So what I want to know, if that God of that generation is the same God of this generation, will that God who did that, will that God do that today? Well, let God do this. Where is that God? Where is that God? And this is, this is the dynamic. This is the challenge. This is the tension that we step into. Could that God become my God? See, this is why uh, testimonies are so powerful. It's important that we share our journey and, and share our story because, because I think that a testimony really is an invitation for everybody who hears a, 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 a testimony of someone sharing what God has done in their lives is an invitation for everybody who hears to say, will that God do that in my life too? It's an invitation into that same reality. 
that God who did that, will he do that in my life today? You hear a story, someone sharing about a reconciliation or a relational restoration, you know, just a disconnect and brokenness and overcoming uh, overwhelming odds and overwhelming bitterness and overwhelming offense. And you hear the story about how God gets in the mix and takes people on a journey of, of restoration and forgiveness and hope and, re, you know, the repair of those relationships. And something inside us should go, will that God that did that do that in my life too? Because the answer is Yes. Will that God, you hear a story about someone overcoming addiction and and God helping them out of it and breaking them free from their past and something inside of you is supposed to go, can that God that do that, do that for me? Because the answer is yes. Uh, We we hear the stories about someone being healed and we're supposed to go, can that God, where is that God? He did that for them. Can he do that for me? Because the answer is life transformed. Can that God do that in my life? Yes, yes. Freedom, can that God do that in my life? Yes, financial turnaround and ability to steward and the wisdom for that. Can God, that God do that in me? Yes. Can it, cities being one and transform as churches get a hold of the gospel and get a hold of the kingdom and, and realize that it's not just about me and my little patch and thus for and no more. It's about going and serving and being a blessing and seeing society begin to change and seeing depression rates come down and seeing suicide rates come down and see cities become to come alive with life and hope and purpose. We've seen it throughout the years, and I wonder if there's a church in in this city that would go, can that God who has done that in the past do that in this generation? Because the answer is, yes. It's an interesting question. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? Something that is so important, and I want to stir that faith in us and remind us that that God who raised Christ from the dead Is dwelling in here. I want to, and I want to, I want us to be stirred this morning. But today, I also want us to consider another question. Maybe, maybe something of more importance. <laughs> today, I want us to consider the question, as we've looked at Elisha's question. Now, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? I want to consider this question this morning. Where now are the Elishas of God? Where are the men and women who will take God at His word and trust and dare to hope against hope and still believe? To, to give their lives, to, sell, to, to, to lay their lives down. Where, where is the Lord God of Elijah? I wonder if God's saying, where's my Elishas? Where are the ones who will respond to my heart of love for their communities? I wonder if God's asking, where now are my Elishas? <laughs> well, maybe we should raise a few up. Where are the ones who believe that I can work through their lives? Where are the, the men and women of business who would not just see their business as, as something they're good at, but they'll see it as having incredible ability to partner with my purpose and, and, and steward See, business person, you're not just, I'm just a business. No, no, you're not just a businessman. You're God's representation in the business world to show the world what God looks like when he interacts and serves the world. Nurses, you're not just a nurse. You're God's representative in the medical arena to show the world what God would look like when he heals and works with sick people. 
You're not just a stay-at-home mum, right? Just a stay- no, 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 you are a disciple maker. Do you understand? Yeah. Where are the Elishas of God? Where, where are the people who would see their parenting as an opportunity to display the kingdom in the next generation? Where are the, those who would say, I, I, I'm going to believe God to be a soul winner. I'm going to believe God to be a miracle worker. I'm going to believe God that, that, that God would work through me. The churches that would say, well, we're not just satisfied to accept the status quo. But we re- literally believe that we can be the kind of church, the kind of faith community that can see transformation across our city, across our community. (laughs) Today, I just want to sit in this lament for a little while. Where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elishas of God? Where's the Lord God of Elisha? Elijah, got to get it right. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? Where are the Elishas? Men and women. They would put it all on the line and say, Jesus, take my life. Do something with it. Now let's see if this lament in our hearts, where are the Elishas of God in this generation? Let's see if this would move us and stir us towards God's purpose. Now here's the challenge. I've already alluded to it, but here's the challenge with what I'm saying. The challenge is from the point where Elisha first said, Jesus, do something, you know, God, do something with through my life, to the point where he actually picked up the mantle was eight years. Now, this is a challenge for us today because the temptation is, and, the, and, and chances are you've heard a message like this before, and you've gone, yeah, I want to do something in my life for Jesus. I want to, oh, you hear a story about someone having this amazing prayer life and intimacy with Christ, and you're like, oh, I want that. Yes. Woo. And for six minutes, <laughs> you want that, and six days, the prayer's going amazing, and you're like, ah, and then six months later, it's like, oh, I just, I just don't think this intimacy and prayer stuff is for me, because I've tried it for six whole months, and it's, you know, I've tried serving God for six whole months, six whole years, you know, and God does a lot of suddenlies, but He usually does a long preparation to get them there. And we're in an instant generation that just want our breakthrough right in a moment. And we've, we've forgotten that God will take us on a pathway of preparation. I've been, I've been doing this thing, trying to, trying to discover, and this is my primary focus every day, my intimacy with Christ being developed before I'm a minister of the gospel, before I'm a leader of the church. I, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus follower, so I'm trying to do this every day. Uh, for 24 years now, and I just kind of feel like I'm just starting to figure out one or two things about how to develop intimacy with Jesus. Oh, it's a worthy pursuit, right? It's a lifelong pursuit. It's a, it's a journey. And Elijah's eight years before he picks up the mantle the first time, eight years before he'll pick it up and begin to step it into it in the next time. What's happening in those eight years? God was getting him ready for what he already had ready. I want you to help me out with my message this morning a little bit. And I want you to turn to neighbor. I want you to look at him and say, God is getting you ready for what he already has ready for you. That was a bit quiet. Look, look at your second choice, neighbor, and say, God is getting you ready for what he already has ready for you. Now, now listen, listen, the higher that God wants to build in your life, the deeper he's going to have to go with the foundations. 
and it's not fancy and it's not pretty to talk about foundation digging in our faith journey or in our life. And yet, if we want to build anything of significance, we're going to have to learn how to dig deep foundations. Right, and when you and when you see the diggers moving in, and the earth movers moving in, and the concrete chucks moving in, and all this big heavy equipment and machinery coming in, you know they're not building a chicken coop. Yeah. <laughs> and some of you, man, you're feeling like, ah, I'm digging deeper in the mud. What's going on? And you see all this heavy circumstances and heavy situations, and I'm just going to clap my hands for you and say, God's digging some deep foundations because there's some great stuff He wants to do. But you can't shortcut the foundations, which brings me to my first point for people who are saying, well, I want to be, I want to, I want to respond like an Elisha. I want to be an Elisha of God. Here's the first point. The key to what's next is faithfulness with what is now. The key to what is next is faithfulness with what is now. Everybody's on this buzz. What, how do I get to the next thing? What's God's for me? How do I get to the bigger thing? How do I get to the better thing? How do I do this? How do I do this? And the answer is be faithful with what is entrusted to your hands. Now, everybody wants a promotion. I just want a promotion. I just want a promotion. How do you get that promotion? You have to be faithful with what you've been entrusted now. Guess what? The promotion's not coming if you can't be faithful steward now. You know what I'm saying? That, that's the kind of the, the natural application, but let's talk about it in the spiritual because God says who has been faithful with, with natural riches will be faithful with true riches. Faithfulness, faithful with now is key to what's next. I want to reach thousands of people one day. Great. Are you reaching the one now? God doesn't give the thousands unless you're faithful with the one. I'm going to be one day, I'm going to give, you know, X percent. Yeah, or are you being faithful now with what you have? You know what I mean? It's this, it's this kingdom principle. And if God is getting me ready for what he already has ready for me, then that means the best thing that I can do in this season is focus on my preparation. Now, uh, I go to the gym a little bit and we have the saying, mates don't let mates skip leg day. <laughs> Anybody know someone who skips leg day? You know, all top heavy. I tease, I tease a guy in our church. He's, a, he's quite a good rugby player. Um, it's an understatement because he's just come back from Japan. But, uh, you know, I tease him. I tease him about being top heavy. Eh? I'm like, you're going to trip over. You just don't, they don't need to tackle you. Just fall over because you've got muscle up here, but your legs. You need to work on your legs, mate, which is a bit rich. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have fun with that. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, uh, but mates don't let mates skip leg day. Well, here, here, here's my equivalent saying, Jesus followers don't let other Jesus followers skip character preparation. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in a position, because everyone's like, I want my opportunity, I want my calling. They're not giving me the opportunity here, so we go off to another church. And it's like, man, you, you don't want to get to a place where your gift takes you, where your character won't keep you. Preparation. Jesus followers don't let Jesus followers skip preparation of character. Can we talk about character? Can we talk about before I preach better, am I becoming more kind? Am I becoming more patient? Am I becoming more loving? These are the things which, God, which will find me faithful and prove me faithful to that which God has for me next. Okay. Thank you. I thought it was too. 
Now, 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 why is it tough in the seasons of preparation? Well, it's tough in the seasons of preparation because you have an enemy. But the enemy, check this out. The enemy, in my conviction, is the enemy is not fighting you over who you are right now. He's fighting you over who you could become if you will embrace the day of preparation. Did you get that? Not fighting you over who you are now. He's, he's fighting you for your potential. The you that you could become. The Elisha that you could become. Think about Moses as a two-year-old. Pharaoh wasn't afraid of two-year-olds. He didn't ask for all the, the two-year-olds to be exterminated because he was afraid of babies. He was afraid of what they would become. He was afraid that a two-year-old in, in 30 years' time, check this time frame here, could become a deliverer. It's the same with Jesus and Herod. He, he, he did the same thing. Let's take out the two, under two-year-olds. He wasn't afraid of babies. He was afraid of one of them daring to believe he might be a king. Uh, feared that one. He was fighting the, those generations for the future. Think about David and Goliath. Uh, Goliath comes against it's David, and David for the first time begins to, now he is facing Goliath. Now he is beginning to understand what happened in his past, and his past began to make sense. We try and work out what our current is meaning to us right now. Oh, it means this. God means this. God's doing this in my life. Yeah, right. You haven't got a clue. You'll work it out in 20 years' time. You know what I mean? And brother, sister, and so, and brother and sister, so-and-so trying to be encouraging, come and giving me a, a, you know, it's all for this, and this is what's working out. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you don't know, Right? You don't know. In 20 years' time, we'll know what it is. And, and, and David is at Goliath. And now he goes, ah, oh, now I understand why I fought that bear and why I fought that lion. And what was in my past that I thought was trouble, now I see it as training, getting me ready for you because I took them on and took them out. Therefore, I now know that I can take them out and, and, and him out. <laughs> you know, there's this idea of what you thought was your trouble could actually be your training, but don't try and interpret it now or work it out now or what it's for now. Just say, God, teach me through this. God, change me through this. God, refine me through this. I think there might be some Davids here today. Facing some lions, facing some bears. You know, that Goliath came against David, uh, not when he was king. He was to stop him becoming king. <laughs> ah, I don't, thank you. <laughs> I don't pretend to know why you're going through what you're going through, why I went what I went through. I don't feel the need to explain was it the God that sent it or wasn't it or did the devil I don't I don't feel the need to talk about any of that. What I'm really concerned about or whether your prayers were a lack of faith or a lack of sin and you're like, oh, give me a break. Why are we still trying to work out stuff that God says we're not supposed to work out? Trust in Him, right? Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, that's what that means. <laughs> I'm feeling quite at home. God knows, and last I checked, I'm not God. People think the people that think they have it all worked out worry me. But maybe, maybe, maybe here's my one thought. Maybe you're going through what you're going through because there's a king in you. There's something about you that is a threat to the enemy. <laughs> You're too valuable to leave alone. <laughs> You're born to rule and to reign and to have dominion, create peace for those under your care. That's what a king does. 
You need to ask yourself the question, am I being faithful to what God has already entrusted to me? My, my second thought, you're right out there? We're just, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> just having a chat. Hopefully someone's going to go out of here encouraged to embrace the now and trust God with the next. My second thought is simply watch out in this journey. If we're going to learn some things from Elisha, watch out for off-ramps. Uh, I have a bad habit of missing off-ramps on the motorway. Uh, or turning off too soon in anxiety of missing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll take the... <laughs> well, here's, here's the word for Jesus followers, for people who want to set their face like flint and move towards the kingdom purpose with their lives. Here's... Here's the word of the, of the scripture, right? There will be many off-ramps. Opportunities to sit down, opportunities to bail out. In First Kings, where we see Elijah first calls Elisha, he then says, hey, I'm going to come with you. And Elijah says, go back. <laughs> That's cool. That's encouraging from a leader over you, eh? Second Kings chapter 2, Elijah, they're going to Bethel. This is catching up to where we were. And Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. He says, no, I'm not going to leave you. They go further. They get to Jericho. And Elijah says again, stay here. And he says, no, I'm not going to stay here. They go across the Jordan. And a third time, Elijah says, stay here. At least four significant off-ramps on this journey of preparation, on this journey of Elisha walking towards what God's asked him to. Four major opportunities to sit down, to bail out, right? Which, hello, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be doing well if you only have four opportunities, like every day, <laughs> to stop following Jesus or be tempted to give up on your dreams. or You know, we, we get these opportunities uh, to opt out. Distractions are an opportunity. By the way, if, if, if your phone has become a distraction, uh, to what God is doing. Apple have now built in this amazing thing. It's the on-off button. You just, <laughs> if that's distracting you from having time with Jesus, just hold, slide. It's amazing. It's like spiritual revival right there. Uh, you know, distraction becomes an off-ramp. Disappointment becomes an off-ramp. Oh, man, it worries me. People that have never been disappointed in life, bitterly disappointed. Have you ever believed for something? Have you ever realized we're human, that there's grief, there's disappointment, there's loss, there's seasons, right? There's, so it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. There's summer, which is the harvest season. You know, there's spring, the growth season. But guess what? There is autumn, the lost season. And there is winter, the wait season. What do you do if in your waiting season? Wait. What do you do if you're in a lost season? Grieve. You weep. You lament. And you grow in empathy through it. It's part of the faith journey. We, we, we try and set it up to try and avoid loss and grief at any cost. We come up with all sorts of stupid theologies to back it up. But the people that I know that are the most Christ-like and the most influential on the planet have lost the most. And they've become the most proficient at dealing with seasons of loss. And they have a large heart and love of kindness through it, I guarantee. <laughs> That's the purpose of grief, to enlarge our capacity for humanity. So, I wonder who has an off-ramp in front of them. Oh, a fence. Is it fence is a good off-ramp. 
did you see how they treated me? (laughs) Let's share some stories sometime. (laughs) I've had enough in the last one month, the last 30 days, enough ammunition to make me give up on, on ministry for the rest of my life. One month. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to. Why? Because it was never about you and whether I offended you or whether you criticized me or whether you did anything like that. He called me, so he will sustain me. So I'll go until he says stop going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Seems quite, you know, quite piffy, doesn't it? Quite, oh, last month, always, yeah, you you should see the tears I've cried in the last month. (laughs) I understand what David says when he says, my tears have become my food. (laughs) All right. I wonder, I wonder who's taken the off-ramp already, given up on your faith, given up on your calling. I have a word for you, and it's not you, lazy slacker. It's, there's an on-ramp here today. <laughs> oh, hey, could I get the worship team up to join me for a minute? Is that, is that all right? You all right out there? Yes. So about 23, 23 years ago, about 23 years ago, uh, I was 10. <laughs> oh, so I just, I just lied in church that I shouldn't do that. Uh, I was, it was a bad bad response in some of the books of the Bible, that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. I wasn't 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, about 23 years ago, a young woman prophesied over me, shared a word. She said, I saw a picture of you, and I saw this thicket, I saw this bush, uh, and, and vines, and, and, and dense, uh, sort of like jungle-like sort of stuff. And the Lord gave you a sword, and you began, and, and the children of God were over on a playground having fun. And, and, and I saw you begin to hack at the thicket with the sword and the sword uh, uh, carved down the thicket and the thicket came open and the enemy's armies were marauding and terrorizing. And the children of God that had been playing now saw the battle and they ran to the battle and they began to, to work a victory. Uh, 23 years ago, 23 years ago, I thought, right, I'm ready. Let's go, God. Let's do this thing. Let's, I've got this. <laughs> ah, Awesome. <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've done my best to follow Jesus and to try and make a difference. At the start of this year, the end of last year, I was given a Christmas present in this big, large box. I opened it up and it was a sword. And uh, I was like, that's interesting. Aragorn sword, now the Lord is with me, so it's a cool sword. Um, anyway, we had this, we got this house and it had this little cutout in the entranceway and we didn't know what to put there so we just put some little artwork and stuff and we got the sword and it just fitted perfectly. It's like, this is amazing. Like, this is cool. And it had this prophetic word about the fight. And then, uh, and then one of my team came to me and said, I had a dream in the night and you were, you were fighting with these daggers and, and very proficient, but the Lord came and handed you a sword. And uh, I was like, Oh, did you know about our Christmas gift? And she's like, no. And in the middle of all that, God starts speaking. And he says, you know, I put this dream in your heart and you've been faithful for the last 23 years. But now I want you to pick up what I've called you to and what I've entrusted you to. I know what that is. I'm not going to unpack that. don't really feel like I need to. It's not the point. The point is, straight away, I'm like, 
has to do with uh, our city and some other cities. And, and you know, my first response, 23 years ago, my response was, Woo! Let's go! Let's get it! <laughs> the start of this year, God begins to speak and says, Now go. And I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. He goes, But that's what I needed you to say so that you rely on me. But look at what I did, and I showed you this, and I've taught you that, and that happened. This is what I was preparing. So now, therefore, do this. He says I'm ready. (laughs) So we're pursuing that, and we're working out what that looks like. So I'm picking up something, and I'm going, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? The God that did that, there in that point of time, through that person, through that church, I want to know if that God will do that in my life. And God's saying, where's my Elisha? Where's my kids that will take me at their mobile room? Who will embrace my preparation. Who won't take the off-ramps, but will activate faith. Where are the Elishas of God? Who embrace the journey of transformation faithful with what's now, not taking the off-ramps, living a life fully devoted to Christ, who make that God become my God. Could I get you to stand, church? I just want to pray. I feel like, I believe in my heart that God's brought me here to this point in time. Sharing my journey is enough to stir faith and trust in someone in there. Part of their journey, I have no idea what that's about. Only know the Bible declares if you trust in Him with all your heart, lean not on your own, but first He will direct your path. This is an amazing time to be a Jesus follower. This is an amazing time to be part of the awakening journey. God is preparing. Hey, come on, whatever season you're in might be in a winter season. You might be in an autumn season. You know, the amazing thing, I have no idea how long those seasons last in our lives. The amazing thing is if we understand the gospel, if we understand the pattern of death, burial, resurrection, seed goes into the ground, dies, bears much fruit. If we understand the pattern, we will understand if we are faithful in the now that spring will come again. Hope comes again. Fresh faith comes again. Fresh energy, fresh vision that comes again. I can't stop the winter season. But I can't stop them eventually giving way to a spring season. You hear me? Ah, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I'm not sure what it is, but I know you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Even when I don't see it, you're working. So we put our trust in you and I thank you for my dear brothers and sisters in this place and I pray 
God, that you'd ignite the trust in you. That's the word I just keep coming back to in my spirit for you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your understanding. Put Him first. The Bible says one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Ephesians 3, the prayer of, of the, that He would dwell in our hearts through faith, that incredible apostolic prayer that I might be established in love, that I might experience the love of God so that I may live in the fullness of the reality of life and the power that comes from God. And it also says that, that, that as my roots go down, that I may learn to do that as I trust Him. Trust in Him, church. He is a good dad. He is a faithful guy. He is our refuge and very present help in time of need. He is our strength. He is the song in our night. He is the rose of Sharon, the pearl of great price. He is the treasure hidden in the field. He is the shepherd of our soul. He is the Lord of our lives. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rothay, the God who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. He is my righteousness. He is my staff. He is my guide. He is the source of my strength. He is my resurrection. He is my life. His name is Jesus. He is, his guide is reliable. His strength is sufficient. His grace is unending. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. When I am unfaithful, He will still remain faithful to me. His name is Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Waymaker, Light in the Darkness, Promise Keeper, Miracle Worker. Oh, will we look to Jesus in this moment? I implore you to look to Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Whatever it is in your life and whatever season you're in, would you look to Jesus in this moment? Would you begin to lift up your hands and begin to pour out your trust to Him? Begin to pour out your lament to Him. Begin to pour out your pain to Him. Begin to pour it out to Jesus and allow Him to take it. And God, I pray, I pray that as we've said, where is that God? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? As we stir our faith to believe that you're that God that did that for them and you'll do that for us. God, I pray that you would stir a response that we would be found to answer the call when the eyes of the Lord look to and fro the land to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to Him, to look for the Elishas of that generation. God, I pray that find your eyes would find plenty of hearts right here saying, God, I'm your man, I'm your woman. Use my life, fill my life. I pursue you. I want your presence. I want your purpose. I want your everything in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'd love to lead us into the song, Waymaker. Can we go into this? Church, I'd love us to lean in in faith. It's been my great privilege to share with you. But I, I, my prayer is that you won't remember the message. But my prayer is that you go out and live a life of saying, where is that God? I want to believe for that God. And I want to believe in a, I want to be in a life for that God. Someone found willing to hope against hope, trust, and continue to believe in Jesus' name. So thank you for this church, God. May Christ be fully formed in them. And may they take a hold of that for which you've taken hold of them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship Him. Even when I don't feel you working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Come on. 